Hi, Sound Africans. As you know, we are working with Open Secrets on a new series called They Killed Dulcie. It's about the life and assassination of activist Dulcie September. We're excited and looking forward to launching at the end of March. In the meantime, though, we'd like to introduce our podcast listening friends to some of our podcast making friends through a series called Friends of Sound Africa. The following episode is made by our American friends over at Snap Judgment. Snap Judgment is a weekly storytelling radio program and podcast. It's distributed by the WNYC Studios and hosted by Glenn Washington. This episode is called Jay Diller's Lost Scrolls. When record store owner Jeff Bubek buys an old record collection out of an abandoned storage unit, he has no idea what he stumbled across. Jeff learns the collection once belonged to the late, great Jay Diller, one of the greatest hip-hop producers of all time. Enjoy. Meet Jeff. He runs a record store out in Detroit. I'm Jeff Bubeck from UHF Records. UHF is a 95% vinyl, good old-fashioned record shop. Got soul, R&B, blues, soundtrack, country, classic rock, pop. I've collected my whole life. You know, I started eight years old collecting records, and now I have... I mean, look around. <laughs> Place is covered. Yeah. In talking with Jeff, I was asking him where he gets all his records. He told me he hunts them down. He'll buy from collectors, go to estate sales. You know, I've gone to storage auctions before, long before the Storage Wars and Pickers or any of those shows that are on now. It's nothing like that, really. I mean, there's, for the most part, there's garbage out there. And then Jeff told me a story about one of his best finds in his decades of collecting. It started off when Jeff got a call from a woman who owned a storage locker. Apparently, somebody was years behind on rent and left behind a unit filled with records. So Jeff went and checked it out. There was probably 6,000 records in there. Tons of 70s jazz. Really a lot of off-the-wall obscure stuff, you know? There was a little bit of everything in there. Boxes upon boxes stacked up. There was stuff that had gotten wet, you know, stuff that actually had black mold growing on it. I mean, it was just, you know what I mean? It was, it was a mess. But in looking through all the records, he saw some stuff that was worth investing in and bought them, and then paid to have them stored in the locker for a couple more months. And one particular day, I, I went to the storage bin to pick up some boxes, and I noticed a, a, a tub in the back of the storage bin. And uh, I opened the tub, and it was just full of cassettes. It was just, you know, mixed tapes, homemade tapes, you know. And then there was some junk mail in there. Uh, all of the junk mail had the name Yancey on it. Maureen Yancey, and there were some pieces that said James Yancey. Didn't think twice of it. Another few days had passed, and I have no idea why I did it, but I googled James Yancey. The first thing that popped up was the Wikipedia page 
for Jay Dilla. Producer extraordinaire. If you're not up on Jay Dilla, the man is a legend. He was a producer behind tons of classic songs for artists like The Far Side, The Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Common, Busta Rhymes, Erica Badu. In hip-hop circles, he's thought of as one of the greatest of all time. And basically, I just turned to Tommy, my partner, who was sitting next to me and said, get the hell out of here. Do you know who I think this stuff belongs to? And basically, holy shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> wow. <laughs> what are we going to do? In 2006, Dilla passed away from complications from lupus. He was only 32. And since his death... People have been madly searching to find anything and everything Dilla related. So to find Jay's personal record collection, it was huge. Because in it would be the records that Dilla had sampled and turned into hits. The phone started ringing. There were calls. It was like instant backlash. Everyone wanted it. But then they also had a problem with me. What business does he have selling Jay's stuff? You know what I mean? That's that's what it was. Who the f- are you? People were going crazy over Dilla's record collection. But remember how Jeff said that there was a bunch of cassette tapes? I opened the tub and it was just full of cassettes. Some of those tapes, Dilla had recorded on. They had titles like Beats and Rough Ideas, hinting at unreleased music. A beat tape from Dilla? That's gold. Private collectors, fans, people were offering him tens of thousands of dollars to get a piece. I'm human and I seen dollar signs for a minute. Even if I didn't take the offer from them, I could have, you know, put a cassette at a time up on eBay and probably made, you know, loads of money. A record label called him. We understand that you found uh, tapes containing Jay Dilla's music. That content of those tapes is our property. You'll be compensated for it, but we're coming to get it. It wasn't cool. I mean, it was chaos, and I was like, I I wanted to do nothing but crawl under a rock, you know what I mean? Step back. I'm not taking calls. Leave me alone. The collection's gone. It's no longer on the premises. Go away. And during all the madness, Jeff had something else on his mind. Honestly, the first thing I thought of was that Wikipedia page. Due to Dilla's debt, the family receives no income from projects. Dilla's children are being supported by the Social Security from their mothers. Likewise, Miss Yancey still lives in the same Detroit ghetto, also in tremendous debt. After reading that, it says it right there. It's like, okay. And it's like, where looks the money? Here's Maureen and his family, right in the same place they were back in the beginning, you know. But how? How could it be that the mother of a platinum-selling producer would be in debt? I mean, he made hits. He was award-winning. So I called up Dilla's mom, Maureen, and she invited me over for a talk. Come on in. Good to see you. I'm Maureen Yancey. Jay Dilla is my son. He is the most genius beatmaker that ever existed. Although he's passed on, his work still lives. Welcome to my humble home. <laughs> <laughs> we drink a black coffee in a minute. <laughs> okay, cool. Where we come from is a place we call Coney Gardens. 
I visit her at her home, the same house that Jay grew up in, deep in Detroit, in Conant Gardens. The neighborhood here is very, very urban, to say the least. It resembles in some places a war zone like Iraq, <laughs> as you know. A lot of people have moved away because of the conditions in the city. It's a lack of uh, support in our area, as you can see. But then there are those that are dedicated to the community that try to keep it moving and that are proud to be here. Maureen told me that the last couple years of Jay's life were mostly spent in the hospital, fighting his illness. Maureen stayed with him, helped nurse him. But while he was in the midst of all this treatment... That a payment it was late and the insurance company did not honor it. And even though it might have been a day late, it didn't matter. Being an insurance company that's in it for profit, they dropped him. Because it had been like four years worth of this sickness going on. You know, he was so ill. Of course, they didn't want to pay for every hospital stay that he had. The last nine, ten months, everything was out of pocket. Every hospital stay, each bill uh, averaged a quarter of a million dollars. That was a bi-monthly bill. That's $250,000 twice a month. And that's not including flying out specialists or doctors or prescriptions. Dilla's illness was very expensive, and soon he fell into debt. And when Dilla's funds were gone, Maureen stepped up. I didn't care what it was. I was going to sign my life away for them to give him all the care that he needed, and I, which I did in certain instances, because when he didn't have insurance, I signed off on a lot of that. And they said, well, you know, you'll be responsible. I did not care. I said, well, if I had to scrub hospital floors <laughs> to work it off, you know. So you went broke? Oh, yeah. Had to. <laughs> it's my son. Maureen gave up near everything. She sold her house, closed down her business, all the while hoping Jay could beat the sickness and get back to the work he loved. He lived for music. I mean, the man was a powerhouse. Even when his health didn't improve, Maureen, with some friends, set up music equipment right in his hospital room, and he worked. It was there that he created his last album, Donuts. Okay, okay. There comes a time... It was released three days before he passed. There to date has been no compensation from the estate to any of the heirs. And six years after Dilla had been gone, Maureen was still struggling. And when Jeff who had found himself sitting on a potential gold mine of music, heard about that? That really, you know, that struck a chord with me. I just felt, you know, there's just such an injustice. I'll be damned if I'm giving it to any record company. In the moment, I just was trying to do the right thing, you know what I mean? So Jeff got in touch with Maureen. She drove across the city, and they met at the storage facility. And he unlocks this like a garage, you know, door. Went back into the bin and pulled the tub out from the back. and He just shows me the bins that were too heavy to lift. And so I'm looking, and I'm like, what in the world, you know? And I popped open the lid. 
and it was silence for a few minutes. And that moment, it's like she's seen him again, you know what I mean? Because just the silence there, and it was like, this is heavy. When I um, saw my son's handwriting, God, that was something uh, profound. He wrote notes in there about uh, uh, things that he wants to do for me. To see those notes and to hear his voice as I read them, I could hear him saying it. It just touched me to, touched my heart to no end. It was her son's stuff, you know. I told her, take it with you. It's yours. Take it. I gave her a hug and, you know, she was, she was thrilled. It felt really good that she had it again. You know, it was like, yeah! Back in the right hands. And though some of them look like they'd have some Adela's music on them, most of the cassettes, well, they were just regular tapes, like you used to be able to buy at the store. Today, you probably wouldn't pay 10 cents for them at a flea market. But in talking with one of Dilla's close friends... Frank Nitz suggests, I think you better listen to them because your son hid a lot of music in his, in his tapes. Maureen sat down, loaded up the tapes, pressed play, and... I was blown away when my mouth dropped from the very first one. It was stuff on it that we had never heard before. Turn it up, baby. Uh, I didn't expect to hear his voice in any of the music. He's not sick. He's not suffering. And he's just live to his fullest capacity. On the hundreds of cassettes that Maureen now has, Dilla had left music and lots of it. The material is, oh my, it was overwhelming. There are in the high hundreds of tracks. Hours and hours and hours of unreleased Dilla music was found on the cassettes. And along with some studio master reels, Maureen says there's enough material for never-before-heard music to be coming out for years. It's the Lost Scrolls. <laughs> it's the Lost Scrolls. The reason for titling it the Lost Scrolls is because it has a spiritual meaning. It's like uh, the Ark of the Covenant for me. And <laughs> I was invited to hear the coveted Lost Scrolls. Now trust me, these recordings are well guarded. But Maureen let me record a small piece of our time listening together. So how does it feel to be listening to this music? I feel simply wonderful listening to my son's creations. It's uh, none like it. He is the master and uh, my heart is happy. My ears are happy, you know, I, I feel his, I can feel his soul in his music. 
Dilla was was my backbone, my support, because we had a bond that was so special with our love for music and our desire to help the other one get to where they wanted to be in this world. We already were close, and then the nursing him in California, we were more one than ever. So when he left, I was standing alone. I never mourn normally, not knowing whether to be angry or to cry. I couldn't cry. I hadn't shed a tear. At his funeral, I didn't cry. People were waiting for me to break down, which I didn't even understand. Why no tears? I was in denial of everything, and I just, I just had this void. Then, through the heart of a good man, Jeff Bubeck, God would open up a door and, and give me pieces of my son back. It was held, held back for this time. It wasn't meant for me to have it before now. And it brought back what Dilla said to me in California. He was in the wheelchair. He grabbed my hands, both of them. And he said, I want to thank you for all that you, all that you have done. And I want you to know you're going to be all right. I promise you. You're going to be all right. You know. Are you doing you okay? You I'm take fine. a break? I'm no. No. It's the first tear. It's been I guess I needed that. I think it's the first one since he passed. Thanks for that. Let me turn that water faucet on. <laughs> because I always hold it back. He has uh, proven to me that he's looking out for me. And I'm looking at him, he's looking at me right now, saying, Lady, I told you you would be all right. has begun releasing the music found on the tapes, The Lost Scrolls, as she continues her work with the J. Dilla Foundation to raise awareness about lupus and inspire young people around the world. Marina's also working on a book and a film about Dilla's life and legacy. We'd have links to all of these great projects on our website, snapjudgment.org. A huge thanks to Maureen Yancey and Jeff Bubeck for sharing their story. And special thanks as well to Jonathan Taylor and Tate McBroom for their help. And if you listen to this show at all, you know we owe a debt to Dilla himself. Thank you. That piece was produced by Pat Masidi Miller. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org. You've been listening to a podcast by Snap Judgment. This episode was produced by Pat Mercedes Miller 
and hosted by Glenn Washington. If you like this episode, go check out the series over at snapjudgment.org. And hey, it's Della Month. Go check out jdellafoundation.org and see how you can keep the legacy alive. To help snapjudgment.org, Sound Africa, or any other of your favorite podcasts, give a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. And of course, if you like what you heard, share it with the people you like. If you've heard a podcast you think we should hear, get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, or on our website. My name is Neo Rakajani. And thanks for listening.